God came into the world in an unlikely way, and he used unlikely people to deliver an unlikely message of good news, of great joy. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. As we're continuing in our Christmas series here today, I want to start off by telling you a a story, a true story of an unlikely rescue. Some of you may have seen this in the news recently. There was a story about an unlikely rescue at sea that has been called a Thanksgiving miracle. There was a carnival cruise ship that was sailing from New Orleans to Cozumel, Mexico, when a passenger fell overboard. In fact, people didn't even realize what had happened there. No one saw this happen here. He wasn't even reported missing until about 14 hours later. And there was a massive search operation then that was undertaken. The ship even turned around and went back, retracing its course there. Uh, But eventually the man was spotted in the water by a cargo ship crew, and a Coast Guard helicopter was dispatched, and it plucked him out of the water. And somehow, this man had managed to tread water for nearly 20 hours before being rescued. And that is practically unheard of. Can you imagine treading water for 20 hours like that? And treading water, just imagine treading water in a swimming pool for 20 hours. Then how about in an ocean with those waves and, and the swells, right? 20 hours then. Now you must say that was a very unlikely rescue, wasn't it? Nobody was expecting that one there. But I want to reflect here, though, us today then on a story of a far more unlikely rescue. You see, Christmas is the story of a far more unlikely and, frankly, a far, far greater rescue even than that. So we're continuing then in our Christmas series looking at four perspectives, uh, four gospel writers, four authors of the scripture, and how they saw the Christmas story through their eyes then. We saw Christmas according to John, that Jesus is the life and the light who gives all who believe the right to become children of God, recipients of grace upon grace. Speaking of the ocean and those waves, there you go. There is that grace upon grace of God's grace that continues to pour out upon us. For today, then, we want to consider Christmas according to Luke. And we'll be looking in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through chapter 2 of verse 40. 1, 26 through 2, 40. And here is the key idea I want us to take away today, is that God came into the world in an unlikely way, and he used unlikely people to deliver an unlikely message of good news of great joy. This was not what the world was expecting. Probably wasn't what we would expect either if we had lived back then, right? But God came in in a very unlikely way, used unlikely people to proclaim a very unlikely message of good news, of great joy. So we're going to read some familiar scripture passages here. As we're reading these passages here from Luke about the Christmas story, I'd like you to ask God to speak to your heart here today. What does God want to impress upon your heart here today as we read? 
We're told starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So we saw a number of things there. We're told it was the sixth month when the angel Gabriel came to Mary. The sixth month of what? The sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, who was bearing a son. 
who was John, John the Baptist, right? And the angel Gabriel, he appeared to this virgin named Mary in Galilee of Nazareth. Now, this was not a likely place where you would go to announce the birth of Messiah to Galilee. First of all, well, Galilee, shouldn't you be going to Judah, Jerusalem? That's the the capital city, right? You should go there. That's where the king lives. That's where the throne is, right? But no, you're going to Galilee. And not only Galilee, but where? To Nazareth. To Nazareth, that might be the last town you'd go to in Galilee looking for the mother of Messiah. And speaking of very unlikely, going to a virgin named Mary. And she is told that she is going to give birth. Now, she understood the angel wasn't saying, well, you know, when you're, you're, you're betrothed to your husband Joseph and then you're going to come together and have a child. No, she understood she was going to become pregnant without having relations with Joseph. Well, how can this be? She said, how can I have a baby as a virgin? So naturally, she had questions about this. And she was a little troubled as well, did you know, there? wonder how I might respond. How about you if, a, if suddenly an angel Gabriel appeared to you and said, Greetings, O favored one. Mary was troubled by that. You might think, well, wouldn't that be great to have an angel come and say, Greetings, favored one. Awesome. What do you got for me? No, she rightfully was what? Scared and troubled. Like, what's this all about? Right? She said, what? You will have this child, and you're going to call him Jesus. Jesus means, his name means, the Lord is salvation, or God saves. Pretty appropriate name for him, don't you think? And that this son that she would have, this would be no ordinary baby. So It's a miraculous conception, but he would be the son of the Most High. That he is not only a human baby, but he is what? The son of the Most High, the son of God. That he is both human and divine, God. Wow. And that he would inherit the kingdom of his father, David. Now, wait a minute. How can Jesus, the Son of God, who's eternal, have a father named David? Well, David is what? Was his human ancestry. When the Son of God came into the world, he took on human flesh. He became one. And he had, he had a line of ancestry, just like you and I do, in his humanity. And so he would be the son of David, But his kingdom would last forever. This is telling you something. This is no ordinary child, is it? This child is the son of the Most High. And he will be the king. And his kingdom will last forever. No ordinary baby here. And Mary rightly wonders, how can this be? I'm a virgin. 
She's told what? The power of the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would conceive by the power of the Spirit and that God would do this, why? Because nothing would be impossible for God. Is there anything that's too hard for God? A virgin birth? I got, I got news for you. For the God who created everything out of nothing by the power of his word, a virgin birth is no problem at all for him, isn't it? By the way, I find it interesting sometimes, and you know, it's it's funny the things sometimes people will stumble over. You know, when they're trying to, they're, they, when they see the word and they come across, oh, a virgin birth, yeah, right. It's like if there is a God who has all power and can do it, and created the universe, brought everything into existence out of nothing by the power of His word, and they'll say, yeah, I believe in God. I believe they, and they'll say, I believe that. But this virgin birth thing, I don't know. This just makes, it's like, am I the only one? Have you ever noticed that sometimes where people get hung up on things that it's just like, you say that you believe in God, but you have a problem with a virgin birth? Really? Right? There is nothing that is too hard for God or impossible for God. The only thing that's impossible for God is what? For him to deny his own nature, right? (laughs) He can't do that. But a virgin birth, that's not a problem for him. And notice Mary's response. How did Mary respond to all that? Well, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this one. See, I have been accused of being a contemplator. And just recently, again, I've been accused that, and that, you know, where I like to sit there and contemplate things, which is a good thing, except when it's not, you know, when, when sometimes the time for contemplation needs to stop, you know, and you need to just move on and accept that you're not going to understand everything fully or whatever, right? And so anyway, um, Mary didn't sit there and contemplate, well, actually, she did, con- I'm getting ahead of myself, she did contemplate, but she didn't contemplate in the sense of wondering, how, how can this be? She didn't get stuck there. What did she say? She responded with what? With faith and obedience. See, Mary is a a wonderful example for us. She is told all of these things are going to happen. And she says what? I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be so. And isn't that a good example for us? When God speaks to us, and maybe he's saying something that, that sounds impossible, but we respond, I don't, not with, I don't know, Lord, I don't know if you can pull that one off. But no, with, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be so. This is an example of the attitude for us to have there. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be so. And then she gives this wonderful, here, here's a little homework assignment. Go back uh, maybe this afternoon and read Mary's song here in Luke 1, starting in verse uh, 46. Read there, through that there and remember, and just listen to the, the profound truth that you see. And this is coming from the lips of a teenage girl. Mary knew the scriptures. She was mature beyond her years. Perhaps one of the reasons why God chose her. Right? But you see her spiritual maturity and her understanding of God and God's word there. Then we're told then, starting in Luke chapter 2, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. 
And this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And here's what they found. They found a baby wrapped in a manger. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And there was what they found, right? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So we see then that there was a census. Joseph and Mary lived in Galilee in Nazareth, But the scriptures had prophesied Messiah would be born where? In Bethlehem. So, okay, is this a big challenge for God to overcome? How's he going to get them to Bethlehem? Well, God can use all kinds of things to accomplish his sovereign will and purposes, can't he? And so he used a census, which was a tool that was used, what, to number the people for purposes of taxation. we got to love that, right? And military service. And so there was a census then. And so they had to return to their ancestral home, which just so happened to be where? Bethlehem. And that brought them to Bethlehem in fulfillment of the prophecy. So Joseph and Mary went there on the surface because they had to go for this census, but ultimately for God's sovereign purposes to ensure that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem just as it had been prophesied. Where there they gave birth uh, in Bethlehem 
And there was famously no room in the inn for them, right? And so they put the baby in cloths and wrapped in a manger that is an animal feeding trough. And meanwhile, there were shepherds nearby. Now, Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. So in between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, in between there are called these fields, the shepherd's fields. And there the shepherds would take care of the flock. But this was no ordinary flock. The flock that they watched over, these shepherds were caring for the flock that was used for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. So again, do you think it's coincidence here? Or do you think there might be a symbolic reason why the angel appeared to these shepherds who were watching over a flock of sheep, of lambs, that would be offered one day in the temple in Jerusalem. This angel appears to them. Why? Because he's giving news of this baby who would one day be what? The perfect lamb who would offer up his life in Jerusalem, a once-for-all-time sacrifice. So he appears then to the shepherds, the angels do, and they announce this good news of great joy for all the people. The gospel is good news. It's great joy. It's what? It's forgiveness of sin. It's righteousness. It's eternal life. It's hope, eternal hope. And who's it for? For all the people, everyone. This message is good for them. This is what? In the city of David, Bethlehem was the city of what? That was, the, that was David's hometown. And so in the city of David, Bethlehem, a savior had been born who is Christ the Lord. He is the Messiah, the anointed one, and he is Lord. So when the angels returned into heaven, the shepherds went to Bethlehem to see this great thing that had happened. The shepherds made known what the angels had said to them about who he was and what he was to do. And we're told here was where Mary was a contemplator after all. But she treasured these things up in her heart and she pondered their meaning. What could this mean? Imagine how exciting this must have been for Mary to hear these things being said about her son. To have been visited by an angel, to be chosen to be the one who would bear the Messiah, to be told, this is no ordinary baby, this is the Son of the Most High. And he is the Savior of your people. She treasured these things, pondered them. What might this mean? Now, as we'll see in just a moment here, there was a painful side that was going to come with that as well, though, wasn't there? Right now, she's pondering these things, treasuring them in her heart. And after eight days, the baby was circumcised. He was given the name Jesus, which means the Lord is salvation, or God saves. We're told also in the text then that the time came to present him in the temple for their purification according to the law of Moses, which they did. And that while they were there, there was a righteous and holy man named Simeon, righteous and devout. We're told he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That is what the comfort of Israel that would come through the arrival of Messiah. He eagerly wanted to see Messiah and was told the Holy Spirit was upon him. He had special understanding and insight as the Spirit was upon him. 
and it would be revealed to him, the Spirit revealed to him, he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. And he came into the Spirit in the temple. And when Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to do what they were to do according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God. And this is what he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Did Jesus come only for the Jewish people? No, he came for all people. He was a light to the Gentiles, a light that shines in the darkness, the darkness of what? Of their ignorance and sin. He shines in that. He's a light for them, but he's also glory for your people Israel, the promised Messiah, the Savior then. So Simeon was there, and Simeon was able to see the Messiah before he died. But there was also there a woman named Anna as well. Look at what the text tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. It says, And his father and his mother, that is Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about him, about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel, of, of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Simeon and Anna both had waited long to see the Christ, and they were allowed to do so. Anna gave thanks to God, spoke of Christ, and all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. But Simeon said something, that must have pierced Mary's heart. Remember, she was amazed by all that was being said, treasuring these things, and then she's told something else. Yes, he is the glory of Israel. He's going to save his people. But he is also appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and a sign that is opposed, that his coming, that he was going to be opposed, that he would cause division among people, 
And in fact, a sword, Mary, will pierce through your own soul also. What's that referring to? The crucifixion. Mary was there at the foot of the cross, wasn't she? No doubt she was thinking of what Simeon had said as she watched her son dying on that cross. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There's something unique about the name and the person of Jesus Christ that reveals people's hearts, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing how a lot of people, they're, they're willing or interested maybe even talking about spiritual things or maybe even talking about God. But when the name Jesus comes up, how interestingly things can get heated in a moment, can't they? Why is that? His name is the name of both because he is, his name reveals the hearts of people, doesn't it? There's something divisive about him. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. So you can have all kinds of interesting spiritual talks, talk about God, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he inevitably divides people then, doesn't he? So this was a very unlikely entrance into the world. He was preceded by an unusual messenger, John the Baptist. He was announced by angels. He joined with humanity through a virgin birth. His birthplace was sovereignly determined. He was born and laid in a humble crib, a manger. But yet he had a normal childhood. (laughs) How would you expect God to come into the world? This way? Not me. I guess I would think, well, he would just announce some mighty, powerful display and show up and here, here I am, I'm God speaking to the world, right? Or if he was going to be born into the world, join himself with humanity, I wouldn't have thought it would have been this way. Right? I would have thought he would have been born in a palace, just like the wise men who came from afar. Where'd they go? They were in the palace looking for the one who was born, the king of the Jews, Right? So this is a very unlikely entrance into the world. And the baby Jesus was entrusted to some very unlikely people. It was a nobody couple from a nowhere town who were nobody messengers. Do we have any nobodies in this room? Yeah. Anybody here from a a nowhere town? But have we been entrusted with the greatest message of all? And yet we're nobodies. We're nobody messengers, aren't we? So it was an unlikely entrance entrusted to unlikely people with an unlikely message of a a never-ending kingdom. We're told proud people would be humbled and humble people would be exalted. See, the way to spiritual bless to, to, to life and spiritual blessing is not through pride, is it? It's through humility, humbly acknowledging our sin and our need for a Savior. Proud people would be humbled, but humble people would be exalted. Hungry people would be filled with good things. See, people who think they don't need anything, they're not interested in the gospel message. Why? Because they think they have it all. They're not hungry. They don't want. They don't. 
But the hungry people are what? They're the people who realize, they're the spiritually humble ones who realize their, their spiritual poverty and bankruptcy and their need. But they would be filled with good things. Good things like what? How about every spiritual blessing <laughs> in the heavenlies, right? Full people would be sent away. The full people are the ones who think they don't need this. I don't need to hear that. They'd be sent away. But this would be good news of great joy. The gospel is good news, isn't it? But yet it was a mixed blessing. Why do I say a mixed blessing? Because even as Mary was pondering these things in her heart, treasuring these things, she was also told what? There's going to be a sword that's going to pierce your soul. And he's going to cause the rise and the fall of many. And he will reveal the hearts of people. You know, we have a wonderful message of good news of great joy, don't we? But there's a cost to following Jesus, isn't there? I almost hesitate to say it's a mixed blessing, but you know what I mean by that, right? There's no greater blessing than knowing Jesus and having the gospel. But there's a cost, there's a price, because there's opposition to it, isn't there? And we feel that opposition, don't we? Well, I've talked about some... An unlikely entrance, some unlikely people, and an unlikely message. But there is one more unlikely thing that I want to spring upon you here today. And that is an unlikely photo. See, in just a moment, I'm going to put a photo up there. And you're probably going to ask, what in the world is he doing showing that picture? Right? Right? Renee, who already knows what it is because she prepared the slides, is already saying, mm-hmm, right? And you were probably wondering too, weren't you? Mm-hmm. What is that picture doing in a Christmas sermon? Are you ready for a very unlikely photo? Anytime in a sermon, but especially a Christmas sermon. You ready? Huh. What is that? Well, who is that? The Rock. That is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He is, what, a professional wrestler turned actor turned film producer. All right? So why do I have his picture up there? What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with Christmas and what we've been talking about? Well, as I said, that is a very unlikely photo. You weren't expecting to see that. But I want to tell you about something that was in the news this week that relates a little bit to our Christmas story. And that's the story of The Rock's Atonement, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Perhaps some of you saw this story in the news this week. There was an article in USA Today that says this, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is trying to make up for his ghosts of Christmas past. The Rock, 50, returned to his hometown, 7-Eleven, to buy all the Snickers bars on the shelves to make up for stealing one every day when he was a 14-year-old kid. He said, I have been waiting decades to do what I'm getting ready to do now, he said in a video posted to Instagram. And as the actor approached the Hawaii 7-Eleven, he explained how he used to stop at the convenience store daily to steal king-size Snickers bars as his pre-workout food. 
I did that for almost a year every day, he says. I had to come back and buy every Snickers bar on those shelves. And while the actor was there, he also picked up the tab for some shoppers in the store. And his total came to $298. He left the candy bars at the counter and directed the cashier to give them to anyone else trying to steal the Snickers. He says, after decades of me wanting to come back home to 7-Eleven and try to make good, that felt really, really good, he says. He says, I finally got back home to right this wrong. We can't change the past and some of the dumb stuff we may have done, but every once in a while we can add a little redeeming grace note to that situation and maybe put a big smile on some stranger's face. Well, you know what? I think that's a good thing that he did. He knew what he did was wrong, and he did something to try to right that wrong, even all those many years later. But I ask you, could that act of buying all those candy bars all these years later, could that really make atonement, that is, cover and forgive all of those sins? Could that purchase make him righteous? And when he comes to all the things that he has ever thought or said or did that were wrong, is there anything he could do to somehow make atonement for that, to pay for that, to make it right, to right those wrongs? No. There's no way that he could make atonement for himself, could he? Now, as I said, I think it's a good thing that he did that. But did that really cover that sin or any of his sins? Is there any way that I can ever atone for all of my sins? No. Is there any way that you could ever atone for all of your sins? The answer is no. See, the rock's atonement came up short, but I want to tell you about the atonement of the rock, which never comes up short. See, and that's the beauty and the wonder of the Christmas story. It is the story of the birth of a Savior, the rock, the rock of our salvation, who came into this world to provide a perfect atonement for all of the sins of all time for everyone who believes in him. It is the story of a very unlikely rescue. That story of that man who was plucked out of the Gulf of Mexico after treading water for 20 hours, that's an incredible story, an incredible rescue, wasn't it? But how much greater is the rescue that Christ has brought for us? How incredible the story of Christ's rescue of countless men and women from all time, from sin and death. That's the atonement of the rock, and that's the good news of great joy for all the people that we celebrate this Christmas. So what? I would remind us that God came into the world in an unlikely way and used unlikely people to deliver an unlikely message of good news, of great joy. So I'll ask you, are you a nobody from nowhere? We are, aren't we? Who are we? We're not anyone special.
but we've received a special message, haven't we? Have you believed the good news of great joy? Put your trust in Christ. And will you stand for him as an unlikely messenger, even as many oppose him? You know, it's getting harder to stand for Christ, isn't it? And I don't know that that's a bad thing. Now, do I wish and do I pray for our country in the direction we're on? Absolutely. But whatever may happen with that, you know what? God is in charge. God is in control, isn't he? And no matter how hostile the culture may become toward the church, toward believers, will you stand for him, even as many oppose him? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this good news of great joy that we have in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he is the rock of the atonement. He is the solid rock. That there was nothing that Dwayne Johnson or me or any of us here could do to truly atone for our sins. That is something that only Jesus could do. We thank you for him, Lord. We thank you that you have called nobodies from nowhere like us and entrusted us with a very unlikely message of good news of great joy. May we be faithful to proclaim that message. Lord, may that message be front and center in our hearts this Christmas season and every season, Lord. May we be faithful messengers, faithful witnesses. No matter how intense the opposition may become, may we stand firm, firm on his word, declaring this good news of great joy for all the people. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.